Yo, this is Pastor Teeter here, welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through in your life. And today we are continuing a series halfway through, a series called Bad Religion When Christianity Goes Wrong. And we're doing a lot of self-reflection, self-analyzing to make sure that we don't avoid as believers that right there. And all right, to make sure if we are in the wrong, how to fix it. And so today we're going to look at the question, when a Christian sins, does that make him a hypocrite? And so I pray that this may bless you and really give you the greater perspective on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I know for each and every one of us, regardless, this is your first time in church in a long time or ever, right? Or you've been walking with Jesus for a while. You were vet, all right? It's all good. God, there is something that God wants to do in each and every one of us, but again, it's real. And that's why we've been kind of flipping and really focusing on the opposite of real, which is fake, or the word that we've been using lately is hypocrisy, right? That's one of the biggest things that will, can keep us from experiencing something real is when we are not real with God. So that's why we've been doing this series called Bad Religion When Christianity Goes Wrong. When Christianity Goes Wrong. And the way it goes wrong is when we go the wrong way. And when we settle for something superficial or hypocritical, all right? And so we've been talking about that. We've been owning, owning it up, right? With the, the fact that, yes, church, like anything else, right, has its hypocrites. But then what are we going to do, though? We acknowledged that a couple weeks ago. But then what are we going to do? Because each and every one of us can find ourselves in that spot without knowing sometimes, without realizing it. And so uh, here's, a, here's a good question that I thought would be a good one to really focus on. Because this is one that I guarantee you people use and talk about when it comes to Christians and being hypocrites. Here, let me ask you this question, or you probably think about this. When a Christian sins, does that make him a hypocrite, yes or no? I want you to think about that. When a Christian sins, does that make him or her a hypocrite just because they sin? Now think about it, because that's what people do, right? People say, like, oh, listen, uh, I don't need your Jesus, I don't need you, Jesus, because, listen, I got, I got, you know, Christians that go to school with me. I got Christians in my house, in my family, in my neighborhood. I got Christians at my job. Oh, yeah, I, I see them. They, they, they say they follow Jesus, but they don't act like Jesus. Not all the time. They don't look like Jesus all the time. You should have seen what they did the other day. You should have seen how they went the other day. You should have seen what they said and what they did. And so then for that, just because a Christian sins for many, that is enough ground to say they're a hypocrite. Now, Let's be real. The only way that would make the only way that that would make a Christian a hypocrite is if they pretend to be perfect. Yes or no? Right. If a Christian pretends to be look, I'm gonna tell you right now. Look, out anybody in this church. I'm being real with you. If you if there is somebody in this church claims to be a part of our church and they say, yeah, I'm perfect. All right, I'm perfect. I'll be the first one with you right there to just get it in their face. I'm like. Uh, liar. Okay, I'll be the first one. All right, I'll be with you. I'll be with you because if someone, the only way that a Christian is a hypocrite is if they pretend to be perfect and they don't get anything wrong. I'm with you. I'll agree with you there. But then what does it make a Christian who still sins? This makes him human. All right, listen, we're not, we're not Jesus. All right, like that. And so I think, you know, that kind of happens. But so what do we do? Is that a bad thing? Is that, a, you know, no, see, that's actually something amazing, though. I mean, for some of us, I know some of you guys are Christians, and maybe you're struggling with following through. But I want you to understand that the very thing that the enemy is going to use to condemn you to see, oh, look at that. Look at that. You, you call yourself a Christian, and you're still struggling with that. You call yourself a Christian, and look what you just said. That very thing is actually meant to and uh, can motivate us to be better Christians. Because let, let me tell you something. I know this For some of you, this might be a shocker. But do you know that it is a requirement? It is a church requirement. You want to be a part of a church? You want to be a part of God's family? Required. You have to be a sinner. Think of it. It's real. If you want to be a member of the family of God, if you want to be a member of the church, you have to willingly acknowledge, I am a sinner. That's good. Yo, you good company. Me too. Right? That's amazing. And that's what's so awesome about that is that, listen, we didn't have to be perfect for God to save us. That that's, talks all about the goodness of God. But then, so what do we do with that? Now, obviously, we don't make that an excuse. 
and say, well, I can do whatever I want. No, because listen, and this is why we have this as part of our, one of our character traits and well, one of our values. We have four values in our church and one of them is character. And the application question that we challenge everybody that's a member of our church is this. Does my behavior match what I say I believe? Because the life that you live makes a louder statement than the words that you say. Now, both matter. Both matter. But that's why I challenge you and I challenge me that. Does my behavior match what I say I believe? Now, obviously, the answer is going to be perfect. No. But that's when we grow, right? We recognize that and we keep going. We keep going, but the thing is, and that's the, what I want to focus on right now, guys, is listen, is that whole part of, of not just hypocrisy, or, but again, the performance side, because you miss the whole thing about Christianity. If you're going to label Christianity bad, just because you see Christians do bad things or not get it right all the time, you've missed the whole point of the message. You've missed the whole point of Jesus if you simplify it to merely performance-based only. You're missing it. And that's the one thing that Jesus was trying to do and trying to help a group of people so that they can get the big picture. And that's the text that we're going to look at today. We're found in Luke chapter 11. We're going to read a good chunk of stuff. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to be your biblical tour guide today. So make sure you keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. And uh, you're going you're to like the ride. Don't worry about it. All right. So let's read. We're going to read Luke 11. Uh, 37, 38. Luke is not an apostle. Luke was not one of the original 12. He was not one of those dozen that hung out with Jesus. He was not even a Jew. Luke was Dr. Luke. He gave up his practice because God met him and he dedicated the remainder of his life in interviewing eyewitness accounts of people who were actually there. And he documented this, both the book of Luke, which is his gospel, and the book of Acts. He wrote them both. And so this is, uh, so he goes and interviews eyewitnesses who were there. And here is a conversation that he dictated and wrote down. So let's just kind of look at the introduction here. We're going to read just 37 and 38 quickly. Luke 11, 37 and 38. As he, Jesus, was speaking, a Pharisee, uh, he, that, that's like back then the um, Jewish pastor priest, okay? A Pharisee asked Jesus to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But when the Pharisees saw this, that he just went in and and reclined at the table, he was amazed that Jesus did not first perform the what? The ritual washing before dinner. All right. So really quick, pull back. All right. So obviously we get the scenario. Jesus is invited over for dinner. And while the guy literally just sits down, I mean, the waitress hasn't come out yet to get the orders. The menus haven't been dispersed yet. You know, that's it. Nothing. Already there's a situation because Jesus didn't do so. And these guys were um, amazed, shocked. They were judging Jesus. Because he just walked right in and didn't do the ritual washing before dinner. Now, this is, I have to mention this because this, this is this little thing that you think, ah, not that big of a deal. It's the, it's the whole problem that Jesus is about to just blow up right now. See, this ritual washing was not according to the Mosaic law. And this is something that God did. God gave the people. For, I mean, many years before, many years before, a thousand years before, through Moses, he gave them this revelation of this law. And this law was meant to teach them who God was, who they were, and how to have a relationship with him. And so part of the law had some things about being ritually clean and things like that, because it mattered. It was showing them God is a holy God. You're unholy people. Here's what you need to do in order to draw closer. But this ritual washing was not a part of the law. See, these Pharisees, which you're going to see in a minute, these Pharisees were, oh, they prided themselves on rule breakers, on being rule followers, and they love to call out rule breakers. I know some of you, I know some of you guys live with people who are just sticklers to the rules, right? Sticklers to the rules. Things have to be a kind of way, certain time. Some of you guys probably have some that the second you break one, they're snitching. They got you, right? They, they got the receipts on you to, you know, to, to make sure. I know we got some sticklers in the house for the rules. These guys prided themselves on the rules, and they loved rules so much, they just kept on making more rules. And this ritual washing was one of them. This was not required. This was not required. They added this. Oh, and by the way, here's the most disgusting thing about that rule. You're not going to believe this. This had nothing to do with washing your hands. Nothing. This ritual had nothing to do with washing your hands because what they would do, and so this is not about hygiene. So I know like we're all like super on hygiene now. With, you know, did you wash your hands? Hand sanitizer, right? You know, Lysol, right? No, this isn't nothing about hygiene. 
This is what it was. The Pharisees and these religious people, when they would go to eat dinner, they would wash their hands, but then they would do a ritual washing as a symbol that they are cleansing themselves from the contamination from having to deal with sinners all day. How rude, right? Think of that. They thought that much of people, the people that they were serving, they're like, wait, before I eat, I have to, I have to cleanse myself. I have to decontaminate myself from the riffraff, from these peasants, from these poor sinners that just I have to deal with. That's messed up. Okay, that's messed up. Jesus didn't do that. He just washed it. He just went right in. It's interesting. Why did he do that? We're going to get to that in a little. So now they got a situation. They're calling him out. And they're like, "Uh uh-oh. See, because they were like saying, you know, this had nothing to do with their hands. It was all about their heart. And they thought, if we do this ritual washing, our heart will be pure. And that's when Jesus goes off. Here we go. Look at verse 39. We're going to read just uh, 37. No, we're going to read verse 39 and 41. Jesus calls out the religious hypocrisy. So check this out. He goes, but the Lord said to him, the Pharisee who was judging him, uh, now you Pharisees. Oh, by the way, there was more. So there was a group of them there. You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. Fools. Okay. Did he who made the outside make the inside too? But give from what is within to the poor and then everything is clean for you. All right, wow. Say, now, you know, could you imagine? I mean, Jesus already messed up dinner, okay? Already calling his hosts fools for this idea. I mean, he was just telling them, you guys, really? This is, you really think by washing your hands, you're going to cleanse your heart? They, that, that's how, it, no, it doesn't work like that. You got to be kidding. It's like, it, it is like literally, I mean, they're about to eat in a little bit. Well, hopefully, I don't even know if the food ever got out, all right? But they were about to eat. Could you imagine, would you go to somebody's house that when they did dishes, all they did was the outside of the dish, never cleaning the inside? You know, you got the little crust and stuff, all that other things, right? You know, one of those, I, I hate one of the most impossible ones, all right, is uh, spaghetti and Tupperware. Like literally, all right, Don, I get you. Don can take, you know, oil off a duck's back, but it can't, uh, you know, take red sauce off a Tupperware. What kind of sorcery is this? I mean, you got to be kidding. And so, so that, that's what they were saying. It was like, would you want to drink from a cup that was dirty on the inside, never clean, but oh, but the outside looked nice. The outside was nice. No, you wouldn't. And that's what they're saying. It's like, you guys are all, you're just dealing with the outside. The problem is not on the outside. The problem is on the inside. You're a fool if you think that actually is working. Oh, he wasn't done. All right. And so, and by the way, notice that when he said, you got to give from what is within, not from within your wallet. Now he's not saying you got to give from within your wallet to the poor and then everything's going to be good. No, it's your heart. Like everything that you do, it has to come from within. You have to mean it. And it has to come in from love. And so let's look. Now he just kind of goes off. And Jesus goes now into six woes, okay? He goes into six woes talking to these groups. Now, I just want to slow down. I want to say this. Every time you read a woe in the Bible, I need you to woe and slow down. I know that was bad. I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That was horrible. But I just want you to slow down. Every time you see a woe, go, woe, stop. Because the woe in the Bible is actually the most strongest and formal form of judgment and warning. This is a heavy word. A woe in the Bible is a heavy, gut-wrenching word. Got it? So Jesus got six of them. So let's go. All right. And he's talking to them. So here we go. We're going to read a few uh, at a time. He goes and now he says, you know, you're, you're, think you're, you're a fool if you think that that's working. No. See, woe to you, verse 42. Woe to you, Pharisees, exclamation point. You give a tenth of your mint and your rue and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without what? Neglecting the other. So he's calling them out. Remember what I told you? The Pharisees were super huge on rule following, right? And being very meticulous. So here he's talking about the tithing, which was law. The tithing is something that we believe here today. And we believe in our church that you give a 10th percent of your income as a sign. Number one, I mean, I don't want to go deep on that, but you give it as part to God. And it's a, it's a thing for your heart as well. And it's to bless others. And it's to be able to, that's kind of what it is. So I don't, I don't want to go too far on that, but it was law that was supposed to do that. But these guys were so extra that they didn't just give a 10% of their uh, money and their income. They gave a 10% of literally everything. 
If they went and got a bushel of mint, they would take 10% of the leaves off of that and tithe that. If, if Imagine you go into the grocery store or somebody gives you a bag of sunflower seeds. You got to meticulously count 10% of the sunflower seeds and give that as an offering. I mean, this is what they were doing. They were giving 10% of literally everything. I mean, these guys were generous. But think about how meticulous How meticulous and time-consuming that must have been. And God was like saying, listen, yeah, I see all of your giving. That's cute. That's nice. But the thing is that you are spending so much time doing these things that weren't even required. Like, literally, it's like extra credit, all right? Anyway, I know I'm not the only one who, when you were in school, some of y'all are still in school, right? That you know you bombed that test or you forgot that at the end of the year. Ma'am, what can I do for extra credit, right? To kind of like bring back, like you've been like sleeping all year and you want to try to show up in the last seven days of school. What can I do for extra credit to kind of like bring my D up to an an A? I'm like, take the class again. You're failing. All right, so whatever, that's what you're going to do, right? And so that's what the extra credit is. These guys are trying to get extra credit and they were spending all this time doing all these things. But what were they doing? It was like you were neglecting, loving people, doing this, serving them. It's like you should have done that and that, not neglected the most important thing. They were so consumed that, you know, you know, we're such great, generous people. We don't have to worry about that. By the way, look at their heart. They would rather spend time counting leaves than dealing with people. Look at that. Oh, by the way, let me tell you, uh, you and I can do that too. You and I can do that too. As Christians, some of us can be like, you know what? I go to church. I don't miss. Whether if it's online or in person, I don't miss. Every day I spend time reading the word. When I sing, I sing. All right? That's what I do. And I read. I'm memorizing stuff. I'm reading books, doing Bible studies. I'm doing all of that. All right, cool. All right, good. When was the last time you shared your faith? Mm, See, I kind of figured that if I do all of this, I kind of don't have to do that. Yikes. You do the same thing. If you think you can check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. I spend hours in prayer. I spend hours with God. When was the last time you spent five minutes with somebody and actually just wanted to help them? I'm too busy praying. Man, nah. See, you're not so, you don't neglect one to do the other. Jesus is saying, no, it's both. And you're being hypocritical if you think that that's enough and that God is not going to notice. Woe to you. All right, that was number one. I got five more. All right. Number two. Here it is. Number two. Jesus says, verse 43. Woe to you, Pharisees. You love the front seat in the synagogues and the greeting places in the marketplace. You love the attention, don't you? You love the hype and the clout and all of that that comes from your position, don't you? That's that's what you love. You don't love people. You love what the people can do for you. You serve them. You do good, you try to help them, but your reward is not the fact that you're saying, I just simply did my duty. You are doing things so they can affirm you, so they can tell you, wow, you're special. You're awesome. I want to be just like you. Guys, I want you to know that the Pharisees were like our modern day actors and, and you know, athletes and those people. You know, that just because they're just famous for what they do. And, and you know, how many times have we ever had a sport, uh, an athlete that was like a hero, right? I want to be like that person, an actress or something. I want to be like them. That's what the Pharisees were, man. They were the rock stars of their culture. They were the rock stars and they loved it. They loved the attention. They loved to feel special. I mean, who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? I know we all love when somebody tells you something. It feels good. Let's be real. But these guys were not serving from a humble heart. They were serving from a prideful heart. I'm like, you're in it for what you get out of it, not for what you can give. Guys, we do that too. Listen, I know it. And that's what, you know that one of the, you know that ministry, and I'm going to say this is church, church words for some of y'all. Ministry just means serving God and serving others. Do you know that ministry can be an idol for you? Minute, serving God can actually be an idol. Because you may do so, you just, you participate or you serve in a way because you just love the attention. You love to, you know, for people to look up to you and want to be like you and tell you, oh my gosh, that was so special. That's, I mean, there are people who do that. There's people who do that. And that's part of it, like saying, no, you are not, that is not coming from a real place. You're not serving from a place of love. It's all about you. It is all about you. Woe number three. Here we go. Woe number three says, oh, and woe to you. You are like an unmarked grave. The people walk 
over them, and they don't know it. I'm going to read that one again. Verse 44. Woe to you. You are like unmarked graves. The people walk over them and don't know it. Now, guys, that was an insult to the Pharisees, just so you know. All right. So an unmarked grave. Well, here's, remember I said rule followers, right? The Pharisees. They were so meticulous about being clean. That's why they wanted to follow the rules and do this because they wanted to be clean before God. And one of the rules were they can't avoid, they, they have to avoid dead things like a, you know, a dead person, dead animals on the side of the road. They had to avoid all that. I mean, they had such extra rules that they literally couldn't even let the shadow of something dead cast, you know, touch them. Look how consumed they were. Not even the shadow of something dead. They wanted to avoid that. And so the, the thing with the unmarked graves is that was important. They wanted to make sure, just like, I mean, we do it too, right? When, you have a, when, when somebody is buried, you want to mark it with a tombstone, with a plaque or something like that. Why? Because you want to show respect, right? You don't want anyone just kind of, you know, doing tailgating right on top of your Uncle Joe, right? You don't want that, right? That's kind of weird. And so you want to respect the place. This is where that person was. And so this is where he is, right? And so you would mark it. But the, see, the Pharisees were making sure, that, hey, we got to... I want everything to be marked because if they walked on the ground where a dead person was, that would be considered now unclean, ritually unclean to them. And so Jesus is saying, you guys are going so out of your way to avoid people or to avoid being dirty and clean. You don't realize that you are dead. You are an unmarked grave and the people that are interacting with you are walking all over you and you are contaminating them. And really, you are not helping anyone. All you're doing is hurting people because of your hypocrisy and your selfishness. I think by now they might have brought the bread just at that moment, you know, and then, then and Jesus isn't done. And so Jesus is interrupted right at the point of dinner. And one of the Pharisees, verse 45, this was great. One of the experts in the law, which was not a Pharisee, an expert in the law was a scribe. And so if you ever see the, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, this was another group of people. But these guys were more like the lawyers and the politicians, still religious though. And so one of the experts in the law answers Jesus, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. When you say these things, look, you're calling out the Pharisees, but listen, we're on the same team. And so if you're calling them out, uh, I just want you to know, I'm offended right now. I'm, I'm a little triggered right now, Jesus. You are triggering me right now. You are insulting me. Now, guys, I want you to know that Jesus is not sinning in calling them out. Jesus is not doing anything wrong. He is not talking down at them and telling them. Ah. He's trying to tell them the truth because he wants to help them. I mean, this is the equivalent. This person getting upset at what Jesus is saying is the equivalent of you going to the doctor and the doctor looks at your charts and it's not that good. And he tells you, listen, you need to watch your diet. Your cholesterol is crazy. You're this or that. You need to watch your diet. And that's for him looking at your charts, you seeing the charts. And he says, you need to watch your diet. That's like you then responding, uh, excuse me, doc. Why are you health shaming me? Why are you health shaming me, doctor? I don't appreciate that. I'm not trying to come here for you to tell me and, you know, make me feel bad and tell me. And you, why are you judging me? Why are you health shaming me? You fool, okay? He's trying, he's not, you know, he's not making fun of you. He's not trying to talk down to you. My man is trying to help you. He's trying to say, listen, things ain't right. You health shaming me. No, he's not. He's trying to help you. That is what this Pharisee is doing. It's pretty much the equivalent of, why are you insulting me, Jesus? I ain't insulting you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to help you. Oh, and then if, if that wasn't enough, now Jesus turns his attention. Oh, the scribes want to play. I got three woes for the scribes too. And so, I mean, Jesus was just going at everybody. He had a new clip. All right, who's next? And then here he goes. And let's check it out. Now he goes to the scribes. Look, look at verse 46. Then he says, oh, woe also to you, you experts in the law. I, I wish I would have been there because I could see Jesus kind of using air quotes. You experts in the law. Watch, you'll see why in a minute. Woe to you also, you experts in the law. You load people with burdens that are hard to carry. And yet you yourself do not touch these burdens with one of your fingers. See, these guys, remember, these were the more of the politicians side. Okay. These were the, the rule makers and the, the, the enforcers. And they love the rules so much that they just would make a ton of rules. And they figured, you know what? If following rules makes you holy, let's just keep creating rules so we can be even holier. That was the idea. And they were so extra that the rules that they gave people were impossible. Let me give you one. 
uh, there was a law from God called a Sabbath day rest law. Okay, I did a series on this last year. You can check it out, Rhythms of Rest. But the whole point of the Sabbath day law was you're not going to work for one day. 24 hours you need to rest, you know, recoup, spend time with God. and you know, That's what you need to do. You need to rest and enjoy your Lord. So they were like, well, if God says don't work, that's all he said. So you know what? And they started creating all of these rules on what that looks like. And one of those rules were you can't carry anything with your hands. Literally. So if you need to go somewhere and you have to literally transport something from one place to another and it's a Sabbath, you can't do that. So it says, well, that means, you know, you, you got to tie a rope around it and put it on. You got to carry it with your teeth or, or wrap it around your neck. But you have to. No matter where you go, you, just gotta, okay? you, you can't touch it with like, oh, I'm going to, you know, you can't touch your hands because that's work. And if you touch and if you do that, that's work. You're a sinner. You failed. So they would create these rules that were like, that's impossible. Who can do that? Who can be like this? And the people were so burdened with all of the rules. They felt bad like saying, I can't do that. And if I can't follow the rules and if following the rules means being accepted with God, I have no hope. You see that? I have no hope. If that's what it means to be with God, then why bother? I have no hope. But what was more insane was that these rule followers, think, think about it, look how hip, hip, hypocritical they were. Jesus saying, you think those rules are so good, right? That you ask everybody to follow those rules. If they're so good, how come you ain't following them yourself? If you love those rules and you think those rules are so beneficial, then how come you ain't following them yourself, huh? Are these rules for thee and not for me? That's crazy. Listen, we got, don't we got people here today? I mean, listen, politicians all the way down to probably your parents, all right, who love to make these rules that you got to follow. And if you break that rule, oh, it's over for you. But if they break it, ah, I forgot. I had a moment, right? I mean, how many rules do we see? Have we seen over the last year and a half? Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't get here. Don't go out there. You got to be quarantined. You got to be this. But, oh, but you can get your hair done. Oh, I see you. Fake. All right. And so I see you rules for thee, not for me, huh? And so that's the thing. He's calling them hypocritical. If you love these rules so much, why don't you follow them? Why don't you apply them? And guys, that's us too, man. Listen, we can be very hypocritical, very hypocritical when we are difficult on other people. Yeah. But when you mess up, oh, I just had a bad day. You know, I had a bad day when you rough on somebody else, but you're easy on you. Woe to you, Jesus saying. How many are we? Is that number five? I got one more. Don't know. No, we got two more. Look at this. Okay. This one's the longest one. 47 through 51. Jesus now says, woe to you. You build tombs for the prophets and your fathers killed them. Therefore you are witnesses that you approve the deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you built their monuments because of this. The wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and persecute so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of the prophets shed since the foundation of the world from the blood of Abel, which is found in the book of Genesis at the beginning of the Hebrew Bible to the blood of Jeremiah of Zechariah, which was found in the last book of the Bible in the Hebrew Bible who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Oh yes, I tell you this generation will be held responsible. Let me give you this one, right? Here's what they were doing. He's calling out these scribes, like saying, you love the prophets of old, right? The Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's and all these Old Testament prophets. And you love them so much that you build monuments to them to say, this was a great person. This was a great man. Also, you honor the messenger, but why don't you honor the message? That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. You hype up these prophets that you're not, you're actually doing the very opposite that the, that the prophets said to do. You hype up the messenger, but you ignore the message yourself. That's the equivalent. All right, somebody's going to feel attacked this morning. That's the equivalent of one of you or any one of you, including me. That's the equivalent of you sharing a post from a pastor, sharing it on your social media. Look at this, but you don't apply it yourself. Got it? You got that? That's like you sharing, like look at this major message and you share a post. You share the post, but you don't apply the post yourself. Come on now. That's being hypocritical. If you're going to share it, it's because you're trying to do it. And he's, there's people who do that. Just because you be doing this and doing that, but you're not doing it, it don't count. Last one. 
Verse 52, Jesus says, woe to you experts. Woe to you experts in the law. You have taken away the key to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves and you hindered those who were trying to get in. That one. mm. You did not go in yourself and you kept others from coming in. See, the key to knowledge, guys, was not information. It wasn't just this. The knowledge that Jesus is saying was everything was given to you to unlock the door so that you guys can actually know God personally, to know him relationally, to be close like that, to not just know about him, but to know him. It was given to you. The key was given to you. But instead of you unlocking the door, you refused to go in and you kept it locked, swallowed the key, and you're keeping others. You're keeping them from getting to know God. They reduced a relationship with God to nothing but a set of rules. That's like you saying, hey, you want to go play some football after church today? You want to go hang out and play? Sure. All right. That's like me. Yo, Joel, right? Hey, we're going to go play some basketball after, right? All right, cool. And we sit down and all we do is like read a book. It was like, all right, so the rules of basketball. And we spend time just looking at playbooks. Imagine that. Would that be fun? No, we, all we did was look at playbooks, and we looked at this, and we looked at trading cards, and, and that was it. Really? No, it's like reducing the whole experience to just information. No, that wasn't it. You're missing. And guys, the reason why God was saying, woe to you, is because of the judgment that they were storing up for themselves. It was not going to end well if they did not repent of their hypocrisy. It was not going to end well for them. Now, obviously, these guys didn't take it well. Okay, verse 53, when he left, Jesus just got up. I was like, I don't know if he paid the bill. I don't even know if they ate at this point. I mean, who, he ruined dinner, all right? He ruined, you know, he ruined the whole thing. And so he left, and the scribes and the Pharisees, verse 53, began to oppose Jesus fiercely. You know, they didn't like what he had to say. Fiercely at the and they cross-examined him about many things. They were lying in wait in trying to trap him. Guys, they were not having it. Not having it. They did not like what they had to hear. I know this is kind of what we talked about this earlier, right? Sometimes you need to, this is things that you need to hear, not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And then finally, look, look at this. We're going to wrap this up, uh, the, this text. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 3. This happens. Sometimes we read chapters and we think, oh, well, chapters like another day. No, this just happened sequentially. Meanwhile, while they were, this was happening and this was going down, a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling one another. Think of that. I mean, trampling one another like if this was a Bad Bunny concert. All right, they're just going right out over one another trying to tackle each other. Like, well, yo, wow, you guys are, wow. All right, they're just trampling over each other to get to Jesus. And Jesus first, he turned to his disciples and he said, be on your guard, beware. Beware against the leaven of the Pharisees. What is the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees? It's hypocrisy. Therefore, anything that is covered that won't be uncovered. I'm sorry, there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered. Nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in an ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. This is why Jesus was saying, beware. Beware, guys. He's telling his disciples, listen, listen. You heard when I told them, right? You need to be on guard against hypocrisy. Because if you think you're going to get away with it, no. Your true heart condition is going to be revealed. And God is going to do everything possible. I know we've said this. If you hung out with me and Alicia long enough, we know we've told you. Listen, hiding your sin doesn't make it go away. It just grows worse. Hiding your sin and hiding your faults doesn't make it go away. It grows worse. And whatever you do in the dark and in secret, God wants to and will bring into the light. And he will expose you. Hopefully on this side of heaven, he will expose you in hopes that you may recognize and turn to him. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to make you feel guilty. He's trying to show you the poison that you're sucking on. So you can lay it out, give it up and find hope in him. But listen, if you reject that Oh, from here until the day you die, everything is going to be exposed one day or another. If not now, then. And if it's then, it's too late. That's why he was saying, whoa. He was, his heart was breaking for these people. His heart, it was a place, he was speaking the truth in love to these people. 
And so he goes to the, his disciples and saying, guys, you need to beware of hypocrisy. You need to beware because it's just like leaven. You like yeast. I don't know if you've ever had to bake. I mean, who bakes? I know some people do, but you know. Uh, baking, you guys know what yeast does. When you add yeast to dough, what does it do? It rises. When you add yeast to a dough, it expands. It puffs it up. Even a little hypocrisy is going to distort your nature. A little hypocrisy is going to puff you up. And if you're going to deal with pride, guess what? You're going to be the last one to recognize and realize that you're dealing with pride. Because you're prideful. You don't want to see it, right? That you're always the last one to know that you're being prideful. Because you don't want to believe it. You don't want to see it. And Jesus is telling his people the same thing we need to listen today. We need to beware of this hypocrisy. Thinking that our external lives is going to fix anything on the inside. Or what I did. You know what? Let me just. I'm going to compensate for that by doing better over here. And that will make up for the fact that I failed over here. No. You have to beware. It's just going to distort you. It's not going to help you at all. It's not. You need to beware of these things, not just for your sake, for the apostles, but for the religious sake. He was, you know, I know for some of us, listen, the gospel isn't just for the people that are on the outside of the church. It's still for us. It's for those that you've grown up in church your whole life. It's still for you. It's for you because, man, listen, I know because that's me. I've grown up in the church my whole life. And the longer you're in it, you kind of, you can get a little puffed up about who you are. I'm like, well, I, I didn't do that or I wasn't a part of that or I didn't get involved in that. I don't got that testimony. But you're still a sinner, my guy. Okay, you're still a sinner too. The gospel is for all of us. But then did you see that crowd that was literally clamoring and trampling each other to get to Jesus? These people were desperate. They were desperate to be able to breathe hope like somebody that's underwater, just trying to, I just need it. And they were so desperate. They thought that Jesus was going to be a king and they wanted political hope and social hope. But no, Jesus is saying to his disciples, beware of the hypocrisy because listen, they need real hope. And so you have to show them real hope and you can't be real if you're going to be hypocritical about it. There are people out there that need it. So it's an interesting conversation, right? We went from washing a dispute over washing hands to an issue with the heart. And that's where I want us all to think about today. All right. Here's a question that you and I need to do to make sure we're listening to Jesus's words. Remember, we said it a minute ago, no heaven locked up, no heart locked up. Open your heart and ask yourself this question. How is your heart today? Hey, I'm going to show you something. Guys, come here. All right. I want you guys to, this is, let me just give you a little analogy so you can think of, this is what Jesus was trying to do to the people, and this is what we need to do every single day, all right, so you guys got it? Anybody ever used or seen a stethoscope before, all right, you seen one of these? Okay, a simple piece of tech, all right, here you go, go over there, a simple piece of tech that actually, no matter how basic it is, there's a, this still is saving lives today, so simple. Now, this is what we need, okay? This stethoscope, guys, is going to represent the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Hebrews 11, 4, sorry, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit, and joint and narrow. The Word of God discerns our thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, when you guys are, when we're listening to the Word, when we're really listening to the Word of God, it's going to examine our hearts. And it's going to show us, it's, it's like a heat-seeking missile, looking for the lies, looking for anything inside, looking for any irregularities, right? When, when the doctor is doing that, what does the doctor have you do, right? Breathe in, breathe out, cough twice, right? Now, right? And so they do that, right? But listen, what is a doctor doing with the stethoscope? They are listening for irregularities. They are listening if something is off. This is what the Holy Spirit does. When we open our hearts up to God, he's listening. The Holy Spirit through the word of God is listening for irregularities. And he's showing. He's like, oh, 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 wait, I see something. I see something. And he's going to show us any lies that we believe in, any pain that might exist so that we may surrender to the doctor, the, 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 the physician of our soul. He is showing to help us to realize that very thing. And this is all we have to do is be willing to say, search my heart, God. How's my heart doing? That's it. All right, guys. Thank you. I'll give it up for these guys. Let me get that, though. That's what we do. What Jesus is trying to say is, oh, uh, yep, I, I, see some, uh, I see some hypocrisy there. I see some, a little bit of selfishness there. I see some lies there. Listen, you got to ask yourself constantly. You got to ask yourself, how is your heart? 
What do you hear when you see that? What do you hear? Because listen, the, the word, the world, you're going to hear some things about the world in there. When you really hear, the world is going to say, you're going to hear this say, oh, love yourself. Love yourself. But then do you hear Jesus saying, no, 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 deny yourself. Are you listening? Do you hear the world, the voice of the world saying, serve others, I mean, serve yourself. Or do you hear the voice of God telling, no, 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 serve others. Are you hearing the voice of the world that says, forgive yourself. Or are you hearing the voice of God that says, forgive others. See, we have to be examining our hearts. Beware of these things because it could wear you down. It can change us. This is where bad religion turns in. This is where something good can turn into something bad if we are not watchful, if we're not careful. And so, and I I wanted you to know, if you recognize any irregularities, what are you supposed to do? We got to do something, right? Something is wrong in my heart. What do we do? Well, don't do what these guys did. They thought that by doing external things, it'll fix the inside. No, you can't wash your heart by washing your hands. That's like you thinking, all right, you know what? I want to stop cussing and I want to improve my vocabulary. So I'm going to change toothpaste and start gargling Listerine. That's not going to work. You got to wash your heart. That's like you thinking, all right, I want to stop thinking bad things. I want to stop thinking these wicked thoughts. So I'm going to switch out my shampoo and conditioner. It's not going to work. That's like you saying, I I need to stop watching bad things and and watching those things. So I'm just going to put Visine on all the time. It's not going to work. I need to stop mistreating my spouse and mistreating my kids and mistreating people. So I'm going to take a bubble bath. Guys, that doesn't work that way. But then it was like, well, how can I clean my heart? You can't. You need someone to do it. Interesting. See, Jesus, why did he bypass that ritual washing? Because he didn't need to be, he wasn't contaminated. He had never sinned or was affected by it. Jesus had the cleanest of hands and the cleanest of heart. And it is those hands that can clean our hearts alone. Listen, there was an old prophet. We were talking about prophets a minute ago. Ezekiel said this years before Jesus. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. Jesus, God prophesied through him saying, I will one day give them the integrity of heart. I will put a new spirit within them and I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and I will give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, keep my commandments and practice them, that they will be my people and I will be their God. Jesus promised, I'm gonna give them a new heart. And Jesus fulfills this promise, guys. He gave his life so that we could find and have life. It's just like a heart transplant. There are thousands and thousands and who knows, maybe millions of stories of people who their heart was sick and their heart was failing them. And, it, and, and they were able to get a new heart so that they can live. Why? Someone had to die and was willing to be generous for, with their heart so that someone else could live. That's Jesus. Jesus gave himself. He saw your heart. He looked inside and he's singing, your heart is wrong. Your heart is sick and it's not going to make it. You're not going to last. You need a new heart. You need a new life. You're not going to make it. And so Jesus died on the cross out of generosity and love so that we could find life in him. And he still lives today to prove. He is what he, the, the resurrection is so important is that he still lives today because he is alive and still able. His hands are still clean. Yours are not. But his hands are still clean to get inside and to kill the very thing inside of you without killing you. That is the love of God and the grace of God if we are willing and open to open our hearts to him so that he can continue to do that and continue to replace that new heart so that we can have a new lease on life. And so I want to tell you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, beware. That's the, that was the word that Jesus gave everybody, beware. Beware if you think that you can overcompensate your mistakes by outweighing your good, outweighing the bad with your good. It's not enough. It's, you are going to be horribly disappointed. I'm telling you. And I think deep down inside, you, you maybe think it's working, but you're also frustrated because how, you don't know, right? If there was, if my good could ever outweigh my bad, how could I ever know? You can't. And so God is telling you right now, you can be free from that because your good will never outweigh your bad. But the goodness of God is good enough. It's good enough. 
So don't settle for the superficial when God, what he wants to give you is life and it's real. So you need to believe. All you need to do is believe in Christ and believe in what I'm saying and believe in him and you will receive that new life. That's, you will do it. And now, but, and now that makes you a family of God. Remember, it's a church requirement. You gotta be a sinner to be a part of the family. But now listen to everybody else. The beware is not just for the lost. The beware is not just for unbelievers. The beware is especially for believers. It's especially for us. You need to be a little more critical of yourself. Guys, listen, a Christian who is not critical of themselves will become a bad Christian if not already. You got to be critical. You got to recognize, I still got areas to work on. That's okay. You can be critical, but don't be overly critical. Don't beat yourself up. Don't make you think I'm a horrible person. I'm a horrible this because I still do that or I still struggle with this. It's one thing to be critical. It's another thing to be overly critical. You don't have to. So beware of being overly critical and be aware. Listen, be aware that your performance is not why God saved you. You are saved by Jesus' performance and Jesus' performance alone. His performance saves you, not yours. His performance does. And so you don't have to. So what do you do there? Does it matter how you live? Of course. Because now you have been given a new lease on life. And even if you sin, it doesn't make you a hypocrite. If you're recognizing, no, it is God in me. I'm, this is who I was. This is what God is doing in me. You, I want you to be aware of these things, but be aware of your God. Be aware that he is there, that you are saved by his performance and not yours. There is a new heart within you. Paul says, I no longer live. It's Jesus in me. It is Jesus in me. That is what we have. And so if we have a new heart, like all these people who received a new heart, they live differently because they've gotten a second chance at it. Guys, if you've, if you've been given a new heart in Jesus Christ, you ought to be living differently because you like, I have a new lease on life and I'm gonna maximize this. I wanna live it with my God, for my God, whatever it takes. If you receive Christ, you leave everything behind because of who he is and what he has done. That is how we are called to live. And if anyone ever points out your future sin, talking to Christians, anyone who ever points out a sin that you may have in the future, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. If they point out any of your sins, you point to your Savior. And you tell them, yeah, man, I know I'm imperfect, but I'm still an imperfect person. But, God, but I also have a God-given purpose that God is doing something real in my life. And he's done it in me. He can do it in you. He can do it in you. And so when, so of those of us, if we can respond to the woes of Christ, if you respond in repentance, your respond ought to be, oh, the love of Christ for a sinner like me. When they point out to you, when they point out your sin, point your, point out your savior, because it is the hope that only Jesus can give. His hope is the only thing that can fill that hole in your heart. It's the only thing. And so may God's people be adamant about guarding that hope and bold to share that hope with everybody else. That is what we have. That is our calling. That is what we get to do. So if you got that new life, let's live different. I want to pray a quick little prayer for you guys. And let's pray together. I want you to reflect now. Listen, we don't have to complicate this. We don't have to complicate this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to now reflect. I'm asking you the question, how's your heart doing? How's your heart? Do you recognize any areas that we've been talking about and saying, oh, you're, you're making excuses for not doing the hard things. You're making excuses for not saying hard things because you're doing good things. Is that enough? No. We are called to do, do good things and say hard things, not neglecting one for the other. Are you recognizing, you're seeing any inconsistencies in your life? If you are, and if you recognize, and if your heart is mourning right now for any inconsistencies in your life, guess what? That's called spiritual life. That is a good thing for you to recognize that and see that, but don't leave it. Give it to Christ. So I pray for all of us right now as believers, if God is opening your heart and showing you any inconsistencies, just go to him right now and say, Lord, I repent of these things. Help me to follow you. Come on, that's it. That's it, but mean it with your heart though. God, forgive me of any irregularities in my life. Whatever, my, if my behavior doesn't match what I say, I believe, Lord, help me, forgive me. Thank you for your blood and help me, Lord, to get better more and more each and every day following you. That's what we're called to do. And again, if you've never given your life to Jesus, let me tell you, you're never gonna know. Everything's gonna be exposed one day or another. 
And all who are, all who reject Christ will be exposed, but all who accept Christ. Listen, if you whisper even the name of Jesus, your name is going to be proclaimed on the housetops of heaven and saying, look, my son and my daughter has come home. God will acknowledge you before the angels of you acknowledge him right now. And so I pray for everybody here and everybody online, acknowledge Christ and say, I believe in Jesus. And if you believe, pray and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you. God, thank you for new life. And I give you mine in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you so much for God. I know your word is active and searching and doing what it's called to do right now. And I pray, Lord God, that we may continue to have open hearts an open, not, may we not lock the, our hearts to anyone or to you, Lord. May we open up our hearts and may the love that we have found in you, Jesus, lead us to live differently and to love like you so that others can find the same hope that we have. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I need to remind you, okay, you have received a brand new heart, okay? That is what the Holy Spirit has and is doing in you. And if you were physically sick and about to die and someone was willing to be generous to give their heart, let's say who passed away so that you can live, wouldn't you live differently? Of course you would, because you would have a second chance at life. Listen, you and I have been given a second chance to be able to live. That is what Jesus offers us. That's what he does. And so, guys, I want to tell you the issues of the heart. I know maybe for some of you, you maybe feel if you're a believer, you probably feel very hypocritical because you're still dealing with stuff. But listen, if you're dealing with it and you're still convicted of it, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit checking your heart. That's the Holy Spirit bringing all that to the surface to say, all right, now what's next? What's next? We got to deal with so that you can continue to grow closer and closer and closer. So, guys, I want to challenge you. Listen, this is what it means. All right. The kind of being the kind of revolutionaries that Jesus is looking for the kind that the Holy Spirit desires to flow through and use. All right. Know that they, everything is revolved around the love of God, that even when God convicts you with sin, it is a joyful thing because he can convict you without condemning you. He still loves you and his conviction is due is because of love. And so guys, I want you to put your focus. All right. Put your focus, put your heart in his hands, put your heart in his hands. All right. That is when you do that, Man, God's going to do something and he will move and shape and do so much. And the way, all right, to the extent that your heart is shaped, so will your life. Because the more your heart is in sync with the heart of Christ, oh, your life will be as well. And others are going to notice. 